This is the Italian American Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping Italian Americans learn about their heritage. We do that by speaking to Italian Americans in all different age ranges, professions, and locations. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. And in today's episode, I'll be talking to two guests who are both listeners of our podcast. And they both have a passion for their heritage, and they have turned it into very special projects, or I guess you could call them outlets to help them dive more into their heritage and their culture, and I'm excited to share them with you. Our first guest will be Dominic Kondo, author of A Little of This and Some of That, Recipes and Memoirs from an Italian-American Food Blogger. He spent the last 10 years building up his website, Dom's Kitchen, and really what you'll hear in this episode is his whole project was less about the actual project and more about connecting his family and his daughters to his traditions, which he's accomplished. And it's really, really powerful uh, interview with Dom talking about how he's made that connection. Then after Dom, I speak with Michelle Messina Reale, who was so passionate about Italian American authors that she decided to start the website called Ovunque Siamo, which means in Italian, wherever we are. And she created this project or this website to showcase Italian-American authors. And we're going to talk with her about how it's really taken off and where she sees it going in the future. I love these passion projects. When someone's really passionate about something and they put their heart and soul into it, even if it's not necessarily a big revenue generator, it's just something that they love. And that's the case for both of these individuals. And I'm excited to share their stories with you. And I know that you'll connect with them when you hear them. All right. So before we introduce our first guest for the episode, I would like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, DirecTV. Things just aren't the same without your favorite drama, variety, news, and entertainment from Italy. Now you can get Mediaset Italia from DirecTV and enjoy all things Italia. Enjoy your favorite shows from channels Canale 5, Italia 1, and rate day four with Mediaset Italia for $10 per month plus taxes. Plus, get a $100 AT&T Visa reward card when you sign up with qualifying DirecTV service with the 24-month agreement redeemed within 75 days and you'll get the card within four weeks and that offer ends June 30th, 2018. Call 877-778-4794 today. That's 877-778-4794. Mediaset Italia requires activation of a qualifying base package, hardware available separately. A $100 reward card requires purchases of the qualifying preferred choice bundle, minimum $29.99 per month promo price for 12 months through card fulfillment. Select locations. For new residential customers in the U.S. excludes Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. There's an early termination fee of $20 per month for each month remaining on agreement. $35 activation, equipment, non-return, and additional fees, exclusions, and restrictions apply. Reward card issued by U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to licenses from Visa USA, Inc. Call 1-877-778-4794 or visit at for full details. 
All right, now I'd like to introduce our first guest for today's episode, Dominic Kondo, who goes by Dom. Dom was born and raised in South Philadelphia, now living in the Philly burbs of Drexel Hill. He enjoys sharing traditional and personally updated Italian-American recipes and the family stories that go along with them. Although he is not a professional chef or have any formal training or professional experience, he's always had a passion for cooking. His skills are very old school. It's not often that he deals with exact measurements. This is the reason why he cooks and his wife bakes. Dom grew up with a pinch of this, some of that, a little more over there. It's a skill that most Italians and Italian Americans pride themselves on. In 2017, Dom published his first book, A Little of This and Some of That, Recipes and Memoirs from an Italian American Food Blogger. All right, now what I'd like to do is just give you a quote to take us into this episode, this special episode. I really love this episode because we're talking about passion projects. And this is a quote from Guy Fieri. Cooking is all about people. Food is maybe the only universal thing that really has the power to bring everyone together. No matter what culture, everywhere around the world, people get together to eat. Now I'd like to welcome Dom Kondo from domskitchen.com onto the Italian American podcast. Dom, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Anthony. Thank you very much for having me. So Dom found us through the podcast, through our podcast, and he sent me his website, domskitchen.com, and I went to it and I took a look at it. And, you know, I think this idea behind kind of cataloging recipes and, you know, which helps with our traditions. I mean, we've had, we've talked quite a bit with Rosella Rago, who's done this at Cooking with Nona. And when I went to Dom's website, the thing that was really impressive to me is that he's been doing it for a pretty long time, all the way back to 2008 is some of the first posts on there. And he's doing it all the way up to today. So Dom, just to kind of kick us off here, before we get into the website and everything that you've built here, which is great. The first thing we usually like to ask our guests is just talk a little bit about Growing up as an Italian American, what was your childhood like? Oh, sure. Well, I was born and raised in South Philadelphia in an Italian American family. My great grandparents were the people who came over to this country. So my family was, I mean, we're more rooted in the more of the American end of the Italian American. The family stories and everything. My grandparents were brought up through the Depression, which is a whole story, you know, within itself of sure. how people grew up and and lived during that time. But I mean, my family was all close. Our cousins were always hanging out together, and it's interesting because to this day we're still getting together for Christmas Eve dinners with our kids. So we we were always big on family traditions and Sunday meals, and it's very inspiring for me to see my daughters still relating to that. Um, I now live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but we still keep our traditions going to make sure that our daughters understand what it's all about and times change and family dynamics change. But the whole family scenario, Sunday afternoons and and big dinners, that was always, that was always part of our lifestyle. And yeah, I'm glad to be passing it along to our daughters now. For sure, yeah. And do you know, Dom, where in Italy your family came from? 
Yeah, my family is kind of sprinkled throughout the uh, the lower section of Italy. I have um, well, my mom's family are from uh, Sicily and Abruzzi, and my dad's family came from Naples and Calabria. So my family's pretty well represented on the uh, on the bottom half of Italy over there. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. All right, yeah. so let's talk about your website and everything you're doing. You. You say pretty clearly and you've said to me that you're not, you know, a cook necessarily by formal education or training, but you really like to cook and you started cataloging these recipes years ago and you built up a pretty big, um, you know, kind of agglomeration of them here on the website. So talk to us about what made you want to start doing this. Right. Well, my wife and I, and my wife also is an Italian-American from South Philadelphia. She had very similar roots that I did. So our families all kind of had the same, same background and stories. And we're both full-time working parents. And we decided when we were going to have a family that we we wanted to keep these traditions going as best we could. Like I had said earlier, you know, times change, dynamics change, but we wanted to instill the family traditions as best we could. And where we wanted to start was these family recipes that as you know, a lot of the old world Italian recipes, there were no written recipes. So it was my goal to kind of figure out what what the exact recipes were instead of adding a little of this and some of that. So that was part of the idea of me starting the blog was to actually catalog these recipes, put them down on paper or on a computer uh, so that something actually exists. Uh, and because we are full-time working parents, we don't have the time to spend in the kitchen like our grandparents did, like our mothers did. We're, you know, we're out and about and doing different things. So I also wanted to try and figure out some modern ways that we can adapt the recipes to our schedule. And I started there and I, and I started putting out these recipes right around the time when the Facebook boom hit. So I was really able to jump onto the social media aspect of it. And I was able to push the website starting there. And I, you know, a little group pages started. And then when our daughters were starting to grow up, uh, my oldest daughter, Juliana, will be 14 and my youngest, Ava, will be 10 both next month. They started getting involved with with helping us cook and being interested in it. So it, the website has evolved into not only just these recipes and how to modify them, but how to get the kids involved. And that makes me very proud to see my kids wanting to do it on their own and having an understanding of it and wanting to keep these traditions going. So uh, that's that's where we are with the website now. I'm, I'm very proud and happy with where it's gotten me these, uh, today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, you, it's obvious. I mean, Dolores and I know that doing anything online takes a lot of work and a lot of effort if you want to build something up, and it takes a lot of time, and it, it doesn't necessarily yield a lot of revenue. So these are things that you're doing really out of passion. Which, Absolutely. You know, which is really clear on your site. You've done a great job with that. And I think what you touched on there is really important. And one of the, the main reasons that you know, I really wanted to talk to you, you know, and get your message out there is trying to do different things today so we can get, you know, the next generation involved and excited about it. You know, our kids and, you know, right. eventually their kids or your grandkids, you know, depending on, on where you're at in life. But these are things that if we don't adapt and we don't make it easier for them to, you know, kind of latch onto some of the traditions then they may not latch on to some of the traditions. And I think this is really important. It's something we've talked about on the podcast for quite a while now is that if we try to be too strict with these traditions and try to really keep everything exactly the way it always was, there's definitely a big chance right. that that's not going to happen. So I think what, you know, seeing what you've done and hearing that your daughters are getting involved or they have the opportunity to get involved 
is great. And I'm wondering, is that something that you were thinking about when you started or is that just something that kind of happened as you moved along? Well, I mean, my wife and I were, we were both really big into starting our own traditions and not just with cooking or food, but whatever we were doing around the holidays, going to see a Christmas display somewhere or a hayride during Halloween. We always liked establishing just traditions in general and something for our kids to look forward to. And we, and as far as the, the cooking part goes, they would see me cooking in the kitchen. I, I like cooking. My wife is more of the baker. I like cooking. So they, they see the, the passion that I put into it and how it, it really relaxes me and I enjoy being in there. And I would always invite them in to try this, try stirring this and, and not to step off of our conversation, but we always wanted to get our kids involved because we always found that if your child is involved in cooking, it becomes their dish and it would encourage them to eat it more. As you may, I don't know if you sure, have yeah. uh, your own kids or not, but it, it's always tough to, to get them to try new things. But if they're involved with it, if their hands are involved in even just stirring a pot of soup becomes their soup, they'll want to eat it. So we would introduce them to things. We would never push it, but as they were getting a little bit older, I would notice in one of their school projects just this past year, my oldest daughter would list some of her favorite things. And one of the things she listed was, you know, Sunday dinners with my family. And, we, you know, we would always kind of make a bigger dinner on Sunday, but we never pushed it as this is the Sunday traditional dinner. We just went ahead and did it. Right. And it stuck with them. And it, that makes me, my wife and I so very proud to see that. And it, it, they're going to want to continue on their own with, with that now. And I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, that's great, Dom. And you make a really great point in that, you know, you and your wife kind of had this real intentional, you know, goal that you wanted to achieve, which was traditions, basically, in whatever form they were, whether it was the cooking or whatever the right. case may be. And I think that that's just a great place for people to start or to think about is that if you want to carry on some of your traditions, you need to, you know, you need to think about it. You need, you can't just mm -hmm. hope that it's going to happen. You need to create avenues for that to happen, whether it's the cooking, whether it's taking them somewhere every week to do something, you know, whether it's getting them involved with cooking, which I've done with, we have three kids as well. And we've done that as okay. well with them, which is, which is helpful because you, like you said, they are really much more bought into the meal and, and they're excited to eat and, uh, and things like that. So, I think that's great. And for those of you listening out there, there's many things you can do to try to get any kind of tradition going. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like Dom's saying, it doesn't have to be cooking. It could be, you know, you go to church together, or, you know, whatever, whatever it right. is. I mean, it's something that you can, but as long as you focus on it and you do it consistently, kids will definitely get used to it and they will recognize it as something that, you know, they enjoy if you, you know, have that approach with them. In fact, you know, my, my father as well just started, doing the Sunday dinners again, because we had gotten out of it a little bit because everyone gets busy and there's things going on. You got kids, you got right. sports, you got other things. And my dad was just like, you know what, I'm just going to start it up again. Anyone that wants to come on Sundays can come. And, and what happens often is you just find a way to get there. You know, you just, you find a way to make it work. You got a game, you go after the game, but it just creates this avenue where people do it. And now, you know, my, I find my kids kind of like Dom's just saying on Sunday, like, Oh, are we going to grandma's today? You know, and it becomes right, right. it becomes that tradition. So, so that's great, Dom. I'm glad that you're seeing you know some of that come out now um, from your kids to kind of reinforce what you've done. And I guess at this point, Dom, is it this the website and the recipes is something that you're just going to continue to do, right? It seems like you're really enjoying it. Yeah, it's it's a real passion project for me. I'm I'm a graphic designer by trade, uh, so it, it's kind of me combining both of my worlds with, uh, you know, layout design and and the photography. Everything on my website I I, I do on my own. Uh, so it's it you know I don't always have the 
the time that I want to devote to it because, like you said, so many other things are going on. But when I get to do it, I'm, I'm able to combine both of my passions. I enjoy talking about food and, like I said, the photography of food. And, and I'm, I'm always looking for, for – for new avenues and, and, and new ways to, to open things up a little bit. And we actually have coming up, I know the fans of your podcast may be interested in this. My good friend, uh, another Italian, his name is Mike DiStefano, just recently found out he was diagnosed with celiac disease. Now to an Italian who eats pasta and breads and everything, I mean, that could be detrimental, you know, sure. but he's really focused. I'm so proud of him, like the focus and the time that he's put into figuring out how to make these old school Italian recipes adapt to his diet. And he's just learning about the whole website process and everything. I wasn't sure where to go. So him and I are going to be working together a little bit in the future on trying to bring in some new old school Italian recipes, a newer version of them that that are uh, gluten free, AIP friendly or AIP diet friendly. And I know there's a lot of people out there that, that are suffering with this. And I'm hoping this will open up new avenues to people to understand and appreciate. So we'll have that to look forward to, which I think is going to keep the food blog going for a while. There's, it's, it's a never ending process. And it's I'm looking forward to all kinds of stuff coming down the road. So a lot, a lot of things happening. That's great, Dom. Yeah. And, and that is an issue that we I hear about often the celiac disease and a lot of people eating gluten-free. And I know for Italians, mm-hmm. like you said, that can be a struggle and that can be challenging. And in fact, we, Dolores and I, geez, I think it's been over a year now, but we visited the studios uh, at ESPN and we we met with Tony Reale, who was uh, the host of one of their, their very popular shows. And he he talked to us a little bit about that as well. Like he had some issues with his stomach and it would like right. really cause him like to get nervous about going to his parents for dinner on the weekends. And, uh-huh. you know, it causes, it can cause some definite issues for people. And so it's good to have alternatives and it's good that you're going to go down that road as well. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is to get people together. And, you know, we never want the food to be a limiting factor to prevent people from gathering. And so... Oh, absolutely. And and like my friend Mike, who's going to be going by the name of the gluten-free Paisan, which I love. I think that's a great <laughs> name to go with. Uh, you know, he's he's learning so many different things, like just lifestyle changes and how it's affecting his health overall in a more positive way, these, these new diets. And, you know, he said he even wants to take some of my recipes and see if he can adapt them for so people can enjoy them. And like I said, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to open up a, a lot of fun avenues for people. And I hope they check it out. And if anybody has any suggestions, Suggestions on what they want to see, visit my website and you contact us and we will be happy to, to look into it. So, Dom, you also, I believe, put out a book. Is it yes. like a com- combination of your recipes or compilation? Tell us about the book. Yeah, the book is actually called A Little of This and Some of That. And it's it's got a dual meaning. It's, the, it's some recipes, uh, some stories about the, my you know, my life as, as a food blogger, I started this blog, like you said, it'll be 10 years ago. And a lot of great opportunities came my way. You know, I, I got to take part in a lot of local events and friends of mine who were on the radio would invite me onto their shows occasionally to talk about my food blog. And I would make certain, you know, appearances at, at, at festivals. Uh, and this was all very organic. Everything came my way through the food blog. And so the book is, is part recipes, part memoir, 
uh, lots of photos. I have some old family photos in there. And the recipes, like I mentioned in there, like the old school recipes where I add a little of this and some of that. So that's also where the name came from. And uh, they're modified recipes of what was on my website. Not that they changed intentionally, but as I was, as I've been cooking over the years, I'm learning more and, and I feel more comfortable. And I'm understanding that certain recipes may work different certain times of the year because your ingredients may change. The taste of the ingredients seasonally may change. So not that what's on the website is wrong, but I've did some modified and updated versions that are in the book. So the book was out uh, last uh, fall. And like I said, I'm a graphic designer. So this was a real passion project for me. I did everything start to finish the book layout. I'm very proud with the way it came out. And uh, it's uh, it's available on my on on my website domskitchen.com. Just go to the merchandise tag, and you have a, a choice. It's a self-published book, so you have a choice of of buying the, a print version or a digital download. And um, there it is. That's great. Well, Dom Condo, thank you so much for not just spending some time with us here today, but thank you for everything you're doing for the community, for, you know, cataloging these recipes, for looking into these new and different ways and really overall for creating, you know, an avenue and and trying to show people ways that they can keep their traditions going, which is what, you know, we're always talking about here on the Italian American podcast and something that we're really passionate about. So for all of you out there, please be sure to check out domskitchen.com. We will link to his website in the show notes for this episode. It's got some great stuff on there and I know he's going to have, you know, many more posts, blog articles, recipes coming forward. So Dom, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Anthony, and thank you, Dolores. I think you both are doing a, a fantastic, wonderful job, and the entire Italian-American community is definitely benefiting from the product you're putting out. It, it's really phenomenal. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now it's time to speak to our second guest for this episode, Michelle Messina Reale. Michelle is the creator of a project and a website called Ovunque Siamo, which means wherever we are in Italian. Michelle is an associate professor at Arcadia University in the suburbs of Philadelphia. She's a poet, a researcher, and a social activist, and she's super passionate about Italian-American authors, and you're about to hear how her current project to highlight Italian-American authors is really taking off. Here it is. All right, now I'm excited to welcome Michelle Messina Reale onto the Italian-American podcast. Michelle is the creator of a website called Ovunque Siamo, which we're going to get into. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Anthony. So first of all, I just want to say thank you for the project that you're doing as an Italian-American author myself. I think it's a great thing that you're doing. And to that end, let's start by explaining what that project is for our listeners. Why don't you tell us about it? Sure. I had been looking for Italian-American venues for a long, long time to submit my, you know, I'm a poet and I actually, I write across genres and there are not a lot. There are, there are hardly any at all. And I had spoken to people over the years about wanting to possibly partner up with me and do this project where I could have a platform for accepting Italian-American writing or writing by Italian-Americans actually. And 
And, you know, people kind of were interested and then not interested and lives get busy. And I just kind of pulled the trigger on it almost a year ago and said, you know, this is not going to happen unless I actually do it myself. And I did. I kind of just started it and tried to get the word out through different um, Italian-American groups on Facebook and writer friends that I know. And and I did that and put out the call for the first submission, uh, the first issue, which was uh, last September, actually, and just started getting a ton of submissions. And um, it kind of just started like that. Yeah, that's great. And I want to dive into the project more deeper than that. But however, I wanted to just give you that quick intro just so that the listeners can have some context around the conversation and the project. But before we dive back into the project here, because I have quite a few questions for you, Michelle, why don't you tell our listeners, just give our listeners a little bit of insight to yourself in terms of, we often like to ask people towards the beginning of the interviews about their own experience growing up as an Italian American. Okay, sure. I grew up in an Italian-American and African-American neighborhood, actually, um, Ambler, Pennsylvania, and heavily Italian-American, where most of the immigrants and Italian-Americans had their origins in Calabria, a place called Maida, Calabria, um, actually the same place where Guy Talese is uh the, the a gay Talese is from Maida in Catanzaro. And I went to a school, um, a parochial grade school that was predominantly Italian-American, and my parish was Italian-American. And it was my world. It was, it was what I grew up in. We followed very particular Italian-American rhythms. I don't know how else to say that. Church on Sunday, everyone, we were all familiar with one another. We were all familiar with each other's lifestyles, parish, school, just about everything. It's interesting because um, while my father's um, mother was from Calabria, his father was from Sicily, but everyone in the town really was from the same place. You just... you just felt like you you knew everyone. That stayed with me. That really shaped my identity. I can't take that experience away from who I am. It's so all wrapped up in who I am. And I was always very conscious of being Italian-American. Even though I was steeped in the culture, I, I was very, very conscious of it and grew up with this sensibility where I always felt like I kind of had one foot uh, one foot in each world, right? So I'm Italian-American, but it's not really American and it's not really Italian. And I had a fascination with that my whole life. Yeah, you know, you make a good point there in that you were in kind of that period and, or in that neighborhood and in that kind of culture where, and my co-host Dolores has talked about this a bit, is that you're not you know, Italian, but you're not American. You're kind of at that crossroads in between, which provides kind of an interesting, um, I guess, an interesting background and an interesting upbringing. But it, it, it sounds very much like a lot of the people we talked to on the show in that, you know, when you grow up Italian American in an Italian American neighborhood, especially, it really leaves this 
you know, permanent imprint, you know, whether it's your value system or, you know, just everything you've learned, the people, you know, it really leaves this kind of permanent mark on, on your life, which is definitely a positive. I mean, from everyone that we've talked to, there's a lot of great values that were instilled by our relatives who came over. They were hardworking. They built themselves up. They stuck together in these communities. And so, it's great to hear that. So, so moving back onto the project, because, you know, it's one of the reasons that I really want to talk to Michelle today. And, and I love what you said earlier on when you described the project of Onque Siamo in that it was something that you wanted for a long time to be a reality. And finally you just decided to make, you decided to make it a reality yourself, which I commend you for, because I know just from working on this podcast and other projects, doing something like this requires a lot of work and doesn't necessarily yield a lot of uh, financial rewards. It's really something you do because you're super passionate about it. And it's something that, you know, you want to have happen. So you started the website, you started the project and it sounded like it went well and you were getting submissions. Now, how was that all happening? Were you, and actually just to clear this up for the, for the listeners. So the website and this, you know, the project overall is focused on helping to get the work of Italian American authors or Italian American work out there. It is basically it is Ovunque Siamo New Italian American Writing is a literary magazine. So people submit to it just like they would submit their work to any magazine for publication. So it doesn't guarantee that that if you submit something, you'll get it published, because while we do want to publish Italian American writing, we also want the quality of the work to be good as well. So um, it is a vehicle for Italian-Americans who like to read other Italian-American writing or like to read writing by Italian-Americans. There had been some misapprehension where, you know, people would say to me, I'd love to send something in, but I don't have any work that focuses on Italian, the Italian-American life. Or, And I said, no, it doesn't have to. You just have to be Italian-American to submit. So, you know, we, we get a lot of submissions and, and we choose, we choose who we're, who we're going to be published. If, if I have to turn anyone down, uh, you know, I always encourage them to send work in again. You know, you can't publish everyone each issue, but we're, we're so open. And also, you know, this is a good opportunity for me to say, I'm really concerned with, I want the magazine to, I wanted to feature good writing, but I also am really, really interested in building community. That is really important to me. So perhaps more, it, probably it's the most important thing to me. I, I want to build Italian-American community. And I think um, September will be one year the magazine has been published. And I think we've done that so far. I mean, I think people feel as though this is a community. That's great. And how are you doing that just by keeping in touch with everyone and giving them the opportunity to share their stories? Is that like your goal for building the community or do you do you have meetings with them or how does that work? No, I don't have. I mean, I a lot of people who have submitted, I haven't met. So like any literary magazine, you know, you, you put a call out. So there's a there's a submission period and that's on the website. And people, you know, there are a lot of particulars on how you should submit what you can submit word count and things like that. And then people just send them in. I take care of everything that's not poetry. And I have a poetry um, editor, my good friend, 
the poet Chad Frame. He is not Italian-American, but he's a wonderful poet with a good eye and a good ear. And I take all of the other submissions, and then we come together and we kind of decide. We read over and we, we try to craft an issue that is going to be really interesting for people. So we, we've published some really well-known, um, really, really well-known writers that have um, submitted things. We've published obscure writers that had something to say. So we, we are, the model is really no different than any other literary magazine in that, you know, the writing should be good writing. It's just that you have to be Italian-American to be able to submit. No, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, like I said, my co-host Dolores and I are Italian-American authors and we're always interested in helping Italian-American authors get exposure, which is one of the, the reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about this great project. And in fact, it was one of the reasons that I really wanted to be at the uh, Columbus Day Parade when uh, Len Riggio, the CEO of Barnes & Noble, you know, created the theme of Italian-American authors and he had a hundred authors march in the parade and I was happy to be one of them. And to go into Barnes & Noble right there in the middle of New York City and to see that they had a display and the right when you walk in of all Italian-American authors' books, right. uh, you know, felt yeah. really good to me. And it was good that he did that and that he, you know, put everyone out there and it was it was good to be a part of it. And again, what you're doing is just along the same lines, which, you know, which excited me when I got contacted by you. So, Michelle, how active is this site? Do you have like several articles a month you're publishing or does it, I guess it varies from month to month depending on the submissions? Right. So what happens is we publish on a schedule, we publish every two months. That's six issues a year. And that's that will be our publishing schedule. And in between that time, people submit things that you can you can submit at any time. And then we, we make a decision on how many pieces we'll publish per issue. And um, I, I try to publish as many you know, as many as I can. Sometimes I'll, I'll schedule the overload into another issue if I really, if I really like a piece, but it is every two months. Um, and it contains poetry, memoir, fiction, nonfiction, think pieces, opinion pieces. I've had two issues that featured, um, neighborhoods, someone who wrote about a particular Italian American neighborhood, which I absolutely loved. That meant a lot to me to have a submission like that. And then, and then the issue, the issue is up on the website. And, and then when the new issue comes out, that one's archived and always available. We do book reviews. I believe you interviewed my book review editor. Um, Stephanie, yeah, Smith. she's great. Yeah, she's dynamite. She's such a wonderful person. She, she, she's amazing. Not only is she an amazing author, but she's, she's my book review, books review editor. I have an artist on, on staff, um, a staff artist that does amazing artwork that blows away every one with her artwork. What she does is I send her two or three pieces that have come to me that I'm going to publish and she interprets them with artwork. And I've never had an author yet who hasn't been astounded by her work. Her name is Pat Singer. Um, and I have a, a wonderful cadre of book reviewers, Theodora Petrona, Jennifer Martelli, Mark Spano, George DiStefano, um, wow. people, people who are doing really amazing things. And this is the other thing I wanted to build community by bringing on Italian Americans. We can work together 
even if we're only working virtually together and we're, we're curating Italian American work and curating Italian American work to me is extremely, extremely important. You know, there have been a, a lot of anth- print anthologies of Italian American work and having something online that's always accessible is a wonderful thing too. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's great. I think what you're doing is really valuable for our community as Italian Americans. Let me ask you this question, Michelle. In doing this for the period of time now that you've done it, what have you learned or what part of it has been most rewarding to you? You know, I've learned a lot of things. I have met some of the most amazing people, some of the most amazing amazing writers. I learned one thing is that Italian Americans are not monolithic, right? We, we come from all different places. That's why this, um, this publication is called Avunque Siamo. Like we're, you know, wherever we are, right. It's just, we could be flung in four corners of the world. We'll have commonalities as Italian Americans. And then there will have other things. There will be other things that make us different and unique. So we're not monolithic. That's the one thing, you know, a lot of this writing breaks a lot of stereotypes about the kind of people that we are. Um, I've also I've also learned that the Italian writing, uh, American writing community is incredibly cohesive, incredibly warm and loving and inviting and helpful to each other. I was I had the opportunity to read some of my poetry at the Calendra Institute a few weeks ago and met so many of the wonderful people that I've published actually and it was it was an absolute joy so we all write in different genres and and but we all have this base commonality we all understand each other as even though we're not monolithic there's there's some bedrock of truth to the way we were all raised and the way that we live our lives that resonates with with all of us. And I find that really, really rewarding. Mm, Yeah, that's powerful. That's great. And let me ask you this question, because I know that it's not an easy job to pull something like this off. What has been maybe, you know, some of the challenging parts of, you know, making this a reality? Because I know that there are some challenges in doing, you know, special projects like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great question. It's time consuming. Um, I'm an academic, so I, you know, I teach and I'm an associate professor at Arcadia University. So my, my days are, my, my days are packed, but it's time consuming. Um, the editing is difficult. Sometimes the, I want, I want the work to be perfect for everyone. I want it to be fun form possible. I want, I want the, I want the site to be easy to navigate. I want it to be attractive. I want people to be proud that their work is there. So the pressure, the pressure to do that every two months, I'm always great, really relieved when I can roll out an issue and then I, the anxiety starts to ramp up, you know, about a week or two before, before another issue is set to is set to drop. So I would say the time that it puts, you know, you, you see the website and you see everything up there, but you don't see how, you know, how things come together. And, and, you know, a lot of times I'm in communication with authors who tell me they want to make changes to their piece or they're not happy with things or they, they didn't feel that they proofread 
correctly. You know, that takes time. However, I am happy to accommodate the writers in any way possible. I'm a writer. I want my work, if it's going to be online, to be perfect as well. So all of these things take time, but I won't moan and groan about it because this this is a joy. It really is. Yeah, no. And and listen, the reason I asked you is because I know that projects like this require a lot of detailed attention, a lot of time, a lot of things that you're doing that people aren't seeing kind of behind the curtain. Right. And not that, not that those are things that you would probably go around talking about because, you know, you want to just focus on, you know, the beauty of the writing, which is what you're trying to get across. And I think it's great, but I just think it is something for us all to talk about because anytime you want to do a special project and hopefully there's people out there that have maybe their own ideas like you did, you know, right. it's certainly not necessarily going to be an easy thing in terms of the amount of work it's going to take. But as you can hear from Michelle, while it's, got its challenges. It's also extremely rewarding. And like I said earlier, I I think you're really doing something that is um, very special for the community by giving Italian American authors a voice through this publication and also inspiring Italian Americans to submit to you, to write, to put their stuff out there. Because I think that there are a lot of Italian Americans that aren't necessarily published authors, but they have some powerful words inside of them that they aren't maybe comfortable getting out or, you know, for some reason they haven't shared those words yet. And I think outlets like yours give them the opportunity and possibility to do that. So if you're listening to this podcast you sh- and you have a story to tell, whether it's a neighborhood story, like Michelle said, that she really enjoys or any kind of story. It doesn't even necessarily have to be related. You don't, it doesn't have to be an Italian American story. As Michelle said, if you're an Italian American and you have something that you feel is worth sharing, you know, you should check out Avonque Siamo and you should submit it and you should, you know, is it going to get, you know, submitted, uh, approved? I don't know. That's up to Michelle and her staff. But the point is, is that she's giving us a potential outlet for this and for that, you know, I think we should all be grateful. So, uh, Michelle, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience about the project or anything else that you want to just share in general to the Italian-American community while we have the chance to talk with you? Sure. I mean, I, I would just like to say, please submit. I am I'm extremely open and welcoming of work, any kind of work, absolutely any kind of work. And I'm willing to work with writers to craft a piece for publication. If you feel like you're not, you don't think of yourself as a writer, but you have something to say, take a chance. And I would love to communicate with you. I would love to help you craft your piece. And I'd like to encourage you. I think, Anthony, you said something important. I mean, there I have gotten submissions from people that didn't consider themselves writers. And this to me is proof that some, a vehicle like Ovunque Siamo is generative of Italian American work. The, the very fact that it exists generates more Italian American writing because now people have a place where it's possible to publish their work. And so I would just encourage people to submit, take your chances. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm very interested in reading all sorts of things and have a very open mind about what I, what I will publish. Well, again, the website is Ovunque Siamo at Ovunque Siamo web.wordpress.com. You can really just Google Ovunque, O V U N Q U E, and then Siamo, S I A M O, which means in English, wherever we are. 
which is, you know, I think a perfect title for the project and for the website and, and, you know, the beautiful language that exists there. So, Michelle, thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you for putting the effort in and making this resource available to all of us in the Italian-American community, those that are sharing pieces and those that are reading pieces. Um, I think I could speak for the entire community and just say thank you for all the work that you're doing. It's my pleasure, Anthony. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you have any passion projects that you're working on, feel free to let us know through our website at italianamericanexperience.com. Just go to the contact page. We'd love to hear about what our listeners are doing and how you're keeping your traditions alive. Remember to connect with us on all of the social medias. On Instagram, we're at Italian American. On Twitter, we're at Ital American. And on Facebook, we're the Italian American Podcast. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.